0: Hey, it's Keith from the Book of Constellations, and I want to hear from you. There are lots of ways you can get in touch. You can send an email to bookofconstellations at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at WKeithTims, and I'd love for you to leave stars or a review on sites like Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or Podchaser. It helps me know how I'm doing and helps other people find the show. And if you'd like to help a little more, consider making a small gift of support at glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. It's just a couple of clicks, but allows me to keep making content. Thank you, and enjoy this week's verse. The Book of Constellations Written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms Chapter 1, Verse 14 finally got to the capital. I don't want to give you the wrong impression we had a few stops between our arrival there and Mara Astrom's death at the river. We still had a fair amount of miles to cover and police were still looking for Satya. Oh and this is when Pilot Quaid was back on the air and you remember how insane things got. His fans and militia groups were out in the streets holding rallies building bonfires and putting people in hospitals in the name of freedom. So, we still kept a low profile when we could. But I have to say that with the Theta Group off our trail, the going seemed a little easier overall. That was the first time Rayel bought us groceries. We had arrived in a middle-sized town, and Rail told me to pull into this 24-hour Mega Mart, go to the customer service desk, and give them my name. And sure enough, there were bags waiting for me. Food. Water, coffee, tea, ibuprofen, new clothes for me, fresh outfit for Satya, right in her style, and some colored thread that she had asked for. All of it was already paid for. Back in the RV, I asked him how he got the money for it. Investment. Your financial system is unfair and oppressive, but it is the best option for now. I said, okay, but you have to have money to invest. You, um... You didn't steal money from anyone, did you? Of course not, Simon. So where did you get the money to invest? Answering surveys, he said. Surveys? Like on the internet? When? While we were on the road. Those things hardly pay anything. How many surveys did you answer? All of them. Satya starts to giggle. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, I cannot wait to see what trends in fashion and home goods turn up six months from now, with Rail's opinions shaping business decisions. And I have to laugh, too. Rail smiled a little, but that was about it. In truth, except for a few moments like that one, the RV had become a lot quieter since Mara's death. Rail was never much of a talker, but, uh, I don't know. He seemed serious. And tired. It wasn't the same as his depression on Tulip Lane. There was a purpose in him, still. But he was struggling. Satya spent a lot of time just being with him. I'd catch her nap and head on his shoulder, while he watched the trees go by. She used that thread, by the way, to make friendship bracelets. I remember her smiling as she tied one around Rael's wrist to join the hospital bands he still wore there. She looked really happy. She uh made one for me, too, and that made me happy. Still got it on, next to my own hospital bands now. All right, the Capitol. I timed it so we're coming into the city after the evening rush hour, so the traffic isn't quite so bad, thank God. We're bumping along the potholes, and I'm watching for the cops, you know, just in case. The skyscrapers are throwing long shadows over the streets as the sun sinks low. Every so often, I catch a glimpse of the Capitol building dome on a hill, trying to look impressive in marble and gold. The Capitol is taller than the churches, but dwarfed by the bank towers. Guess that says it all. Since we entered the city, Rael, if anything, has gotten quieter. More focused, a little grim, sitting straight and still, swallowed in his wool poncho. I say to him, so how do you want to do this? I don't think they're going to just let us make an appointment to see the governor. Rael says, we're not going to go there right now. We have to meet someone else first. Who? A friend of a friend. I made a promise, and we should see her. Turn here. If you've ever been to the capital, you may have driven past this little War Memorial Park nearby. It's easy to overlook, it's small, and they put a big fence around it a few years back when the rich people moved out and took everything with them. Homeless folks started sleeping in it, and I guess they figured a fence is cheaper than housing. But anyway, I found a place to park nearby, though I have to admit felt a little strange, being so close to the very seat of the authority that would love to make us vanish. But Rail is unconcerned, and leads us through this poor neighborhood, past the war memorial. Where are we going? I ask him. Do you remember Gary from the diner, back on the first night you and I met? Of course. He wanted me to look after a friend of his, someone he knew from his days in the military. Her name is Janice. I believe that she can help us. Does she live nearby? I don't know. I can't find her. But the traces I have for her lead us here where many people like her live. How can she help us? She left the military after an injury in the Gulf, and took a job working security in the Capitol building. This was before her illness became too much for her to manage alone. But I believe that she can help us find the Ashes. You may remember that Rael believed the Ashes is a code name for some secret artifact or project that would prove the existence of the Darkness. That the governor had personally hidden it away. Satya is peering through the bars of the fence at the memorial. What war is this for? Before I can answer, Rael, not pausing in his determined stride, says, I do not understand why you build monuments to war. I say, well, it's more to remember those who died fighting in the war, you know, to remember their sacrifices. It is important to remember those who died, yes. But where are your monuments to those who died of starvation, or disease, or oppression? Those who died of neglect and abandonment? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are a few somewhere, but we remember soldiers because they died for our country. They didn't have to die. People don't have to die of neglect either. No, but soldiers chose to serve and take the risk, except those who were drafted. Those who die needlessly to oppression and disease do not choose to. Does that make them less worthy of remembrance? What? No. Uh, Soldiers died so that others can live. I thought you said they died fighting for their country. It's the same thing, isn't it? Rahel gestures to the dirty streets, the crumbling houses, and the derelict people there under the eyes of the Capitol building and the glimmering towers of the city. Is it... We're past the park now, heading for an overpass, the interstate highway that runs through the heart of the city. He says, I can think of better memorials than stone and bronze. Come, let's find one. Under that eight-lane overpass, gather the people that have nowhere else to go. It's the closest thing they have to shelter from the sun and rain, though not the cold. These are the people with even less than those on Tulip Lane. While they may be citizens, most of them are sick, or lost, or struggling alone with all the stuff that life throws at you. Hell, if I didn't have my RV and a place to park at, I might have ended up in a place like this. There's probably a hundred people huddled in the darkness here. Silhouettes and shadows, draped with blankets and gathered in knots. There's trash everywhere, and you get the smell of garbage and sweat and human waste as you draw near. Overhead, the traffic rushes past. Thousands of cars in a day, likely unaware of a little colony of last resort they drive over. I think every few weeks, the cops come in, break things up, send people out into the streets, and then the city does a token cleanup. But where are they supposed to go? If they had family or friends willing to help, they'd be with them already. Many are too sick to work, physically or mentally, or can't get a job because they have no home address, nor an education, or an addiction they can't shake by themselves. So they just drift back here again to get out of the rain, and the cycle continues. There's one thing I've learned from traveling with Rail, is that people need help. Not just the lost and the addicted, but most everyone. If life is a tightrope, Some people are walking it without a net, and when they slip, they end up here. Rail walks under the bridge without hesitation. Among the people here, I see a skinny guy slumped against a concrete pillar, nodding out with a needle still in his arm. A man with greasy hair is pacing in tiny circles, muttering to himself. But most of the people here are just sitting, talking, playing checkers. Sipping from a flask of cheap whiskey. Waiting for tomorrow so they can wait for tomorrow. Rail approaches a small group of men and they speak quietly. One of them gestures further along across the street where a couple of shopping carts are parked on the sidewalk. There, hunched over on a rusted lawn chair, is a worn and distracted woman, Janice. She has brown skin, dotted with little black moles and long, untidy dreadlocks that swirl around her shoulders like a shroud. Several layers of dirty clothes hang from her body, grubby fingers protruding from fingerless gloves. She is busy writing feverishly into a stenographic pad on her lap with the stub of a pencil, but she pauses to look up as we get close. She stares at Rael a moment, mistrustful and a little afraid. Fidgeting on her chair, she wets her chapped lips before leaning toward me and indicating Raelle with a stab of her pencil. Is he here? Do you see him? We're taken back a bit, but Zatia recovers first. Yes, he's with us. This seems to give Janice the courage to look at him more directly now, though there is still doubt in her puffy eyes. I don't really blame her. Rail is unusual to look at in the best of circumstances. She says to him, Are you real? I am Rael, he says. She keeps glancing to the side as if there's something just on the edge of her vision that keeps distracting her. I know sometimes I see things that aren't there, only on the tests, but I know of you. They're whispering about you, the things you've done for the migrants, for the lost, kindnesses and miracles along the road from the east, phone towers and satellites It rains. Is that why you're here? Have you come to save us? Raelle carefully steps past the shopping carts filled with junk and kneels on the ground in front of Janice. Gary told me to find you and help you if I can. Her tired eyes light with recognition. Gary? Gary has the forks and knives. Fourteen of them. Yes, I know about you, Janice. I know that you were injured in the war... And now your thoughts are strange and confusing. But there are doctors who can help you. Programs to get you medicine and care. She shakes her head at rael I know there are. I can't. Why not? I've been on the medications. Cotton candy. Baby rattles. They make my mind so quiet. They make me so tired. Days go by and I don't even know. Airplane trails. Gone. The pills make me dead inside. Dead on a cot or alive out here," she points at the air next to her. "I know they're not real, amen. But I can write." She gestures to one of the shopping carts that's filled with notebooks, steno pads, journals, scraps of loose paper. "I see friends. I laugh. I've been dead on a cot. I'd rather live," Satya says. "But wouldn't you rather be in a, a house or something, with a bathroom and, and clean water? There was a place I had." Kites and little trips, harmless trips. Little place, let me be me. Let me deal. But click, 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 were their pen raises? The governor fired me. Rhea leans forward then, suddenly very focused. Yes, the governor. Janice continues. Can't afford rent. Group homes make you take the medicine. They lock me up, drool all down my shirt. Same window every hour. Getting fat. Not even the birds, no. Rail places his hand gently on her knees. I promised Gary I would help you. I want to stop the governor. She laughs a little then, yellow teeth flashing from behind her lips. Oh, amen. Then I can help you. Rail tells her about the ashes. And a few minutes later, Janice is leading us along a drainage ditch, choked with litter and scrawny weeds. Night's almost completely claimed the capital, and while I'm sure the city lights are shining, we don't get to see them down here, in a concrete trench a stone's throw from the interstate. There's just enough starlight that rails skin is glowing faintly blue, and I got my flashlight out. Janice seems to have found a new purpose and kicks her way past the debris. When I left the Navy, after my head wound, I got a job at the Capitol. Security. Got to look around. Started hearing the whispers a few months in. Didn't know if they were real or not. That's when I found it. Satya asks, the whispers told you where to look? Janice looks sharply at Satya. You have whispers too. Mine are just outside my head. I went down and I found it. An old, underground tunnel from the Capitol to the State Senate Office Building. They used to use it as a shortcut, but closed it off. Too expensive to maintain. Too much of a security risk, but it's still there. Janice walks us over to a metal door set in the concrete wall, double locked at the handle and with a padlock. There's rusty old signs warning us of electrical hazards and for us to keep out. With one hand placed against the door, she points upward with her other. And sure enough, we can see the top of the state senate building peeking over the roadway above us. Through here. Through another door. That's into the basement. Amen. Then, a long walk in the dark to the Capitol. Sealed up, but unwatched. If you can get through, you can get into the Capitol. Rail says, Thank you, Janice. Satya, do you think you can pick this lock? She pulls out her picks to give it a try, but I say to Riel, Okay, but you know the governor won't be there, right? Why go now? Everything I have found on the ashes suggests that it is being kept in a secret place in the capital. In the archives, perhaps. We will go and find it if we can. That will prove the darkness is in the governor. Then we can confront him. Janice says, Archives are in the basement! I say, this time of night there won't be many people in the building, and if we can stay down in the basement, maybe we won't be seen. Jenna says, there are cameras. I can take care of the cameras. Satya. She's got her picks into the padlock, frowning in concentration. I think this lock is rusted shut. I don't think I can... Rayel abruptly turns and reaches past her, almost as if he were annoyed. She surprised, falls back, her picks sliding out. Rail's faintly shining fist closes around the lock, and with a single yank, the metal cracks into pieces. His fingers open, and the shards of the broken padlock clatter to the ground. Now try the door lock, if you can. All of us sorta stare at him. His jaw is set, his brows are knit together over the tops of his side-shielded sunglasses. He looks impatient, tense, Almost... Anxious. Satya, a little cowed, turns back to the door and starts working again. Janus murmurs something to the invisible people to her right, and then says to Ra'el, You should be careful, real Ra'el. You will be tested in the tunnel. A long walk in the dark. There are no stars down there. Just you, and your friends, and the voices. And I know... You have voices, Rael, multitudes in your head. Do they weep in despair or scream for vengeance? With great control, he says, we will manage. She laughs, her long, messy locks swirling around her. Ha <laughs> ha! That's what I said! ha <laughs> ha! And she heads back the way she came. I ask, Janice, will you be okay? She doesn't look back. Alive out here. Amen. A rusty creak signals that Satya has opened the door. She's putting her lockpicks away as Rael peers into the darkness under the streets beyond it. I say, okay, so what's the plan? Are we gonna... Rael goes in without a word. Satya and I look at each other in dismay, but we follow. The door leads to a maintenance corridor that reeks of old water and mold. It's pitch dark, and my flashlight plays over the rust and stains on the walls. I ask Rail if he can see all right with those dark glasses of his on, but he simply says, I am fine. A short walk, another locked door that Satya handles, and we're in the basement under the state senate building. It's not a very big room, really, mostly just a hub for a couple of fenced-off stairwells and the wide tunnel that leads into the deeper dark toward the capital. There's no light. No one's been down here in years except for the vermin. I have no idea how far this tiled tunnel goes. My flashlight doesn't carry far enough to see the end. But Rael starts walking. Satya moves to catch up and walk beside him. Hey, are you okay? I couldn't help her. Janice? I don't think she wanted to be helped. She thought the medicine was worse than her condition. He shakes his head sharply. She needed better care, more attention to dosage, more therapy, more than the feebly funded programs could give her. You build monuments for dead soldiers, but what of the living? Those who die in war are lionized in marble, but the injured must hide under a bridge. She starts to say something, but he cuts her off. And it's not just soldiers. Your people are made to feel ashamed for asking for help. You invent stories about the sick, the poor, the addicted, that if they somehow simply had more courage or industriousness, they would not suffer. You hoard your money, your time, your resources, calling them greedy or lazy or unworthy. Unworthy of your gifts. Now, where have I heard that before? He striding faster, deeper into the dark. Is Janice unworthy because she is sick? Are you, Simon, unworthy of medicine because you lack money? Are you, Satya, unworthy of safety because you are different? Your people are embarrassed by you. Satya cuts in, trying to see his face in the scant light scattered from my flashlight. But not everyone is like that. And it's the darkness that's making things worse. We're gonna fight it. I have learned so much about this world since my freedom from the Theta Group. You have always been like this. Tribal, selfish, cruel, fearful. Perhaps you are doomed after all, just as my people were, Satya says. But but we are also curious and social, creative, adventurous. These things just get lost in the dark. Isn't that why you're here? Isn't that why you're fighting for us? He doesn't answer for several long seconds, and when he does, his face is hard and grim. We need to find the ashes, Satya says. Rail, please. She stops in place. You did everything you could to save Mara. You tried. You can't keep blaming yourself. Maybe, maybe you can't save everyone. But he doesn't stop walking. Not when I am the only one trying. But when we defeat the darkness, everything will change. He's getting further away from us, melding with the shadows until I can scarcely make him out. There's nothing for it, but for us to follow him, our shuffling footsteps echoing in the black. We finally reach the other side, the abandoned basement under the Capitol. The stairs are blocked with the fence at the bottom, but it looks like someone has already cut through it years ago, maybe some failed attempt to break in. We peel back the rusty chain link Covered with spider webs and grime To go up the stairs Only to be stopped Dead at the top This leads into the capital's lower levels See, but of course They sealed that doorway off And they did it With a big metal plate No handle No lock to pick Just a metal wall Nowhere else to go Except back Rail stares at it, jaw clenched. I say, "Uh, I don't think we can get through here. Maybe we could come back another time and bring some welding equipment, or, or maybe try to cut through another wall." Or Rail places his hands on the metal sheet and presses. The walls creak, then groan, then snap. Drywall cracks and wood splinters as Rael somehow pushes that 300-pound steel plate from its mounting, sending it crashing it forward in a cloud of dust and debris. It falls outward into the hallway and smashes onto the floor, shaking the building around us. Sadia has a hand over her mouth, staring in disbelief. I say, Rael, uh, someone had to have heard that. He looks back at me, his clothes and face streaked with plaster dust. Then we had better hurry, and he steps through. Down under the Capitol, it's a maze of plain corridors, offices, and storage rooms. Mostly records, maintenance, archives. Rail is walking fast like he knows where he's going, and Sati and I are just trying to keep up, expecting to see police at any minute. But the place feels empty. I mean, everyone's gone home, right? I ask him, what are we looking for? The ashes. Okay, yes, but what is that? A a box, a file, a computer system? It should be something physical, perhaps an artifact from the civilization that became the darkness, or even a biological sample, or a recording. He opens a door to a huge room that's filled with shelves, and those shelves are covered in identical storage boxes. Hundreds smelling of dust and paper. I say, Rail, there's no time. There's too much to look through. We need an index or or something. He purses his lips. I need to see the private network here. I need access. Satya says, okay, okay, Rail, just let's keep calm. Maybe someone left their login written down on their desk or something, and she trails off. Because a woman is staring at us from around one of the tall shelves. Small build, simple blue suit, practical haircut a clerk working late she's terrified rail turns toward her with his dirty gray face and his hidden eyes i need your help she bolts her heels slipping on the linoleum but we're blocking the exit she's making for her little office in the back of the room rail runs after her wait stop Please. By the time we catch up, she's behind her desk, holding the handset of her phone, frantically punching at the numbers, but there's no dial tone. Rail steps closer. Please, you don't have to be afraid. Your name is Leah Chen. Leah Chen drops the useless phone, her hands shaking. What do you want? Rail says, I just need your login information for the network. It's important. She's wide-eyed, panicked, fumbles for her purse. No, stay back. Satya tries to get his attention with a, "rail stop! But it's like he doesn't even hear her. He says to Leah, The darkness has taken over the world. I just need to find something in here to stop it. Something called the ashes. Just give me your login information, please, and I can help you in return. He gets closer and closer to her until she pulls out a vial of pepper spray from her purse and lets him have it right across his face. Within seconds, in that small office, we're all feeling it, even though we didn't get hit. My eyes and nose start to burn. Satya squeals and falls back. Even Leah herself recoils, her skin turning red as some of the mist lands on her, too. But Riel doesn't react at all. Not even a flinch. The spray coats his gray skin, drips down his glasses and over his lips. But none of it bothers him. He grabs her wrist. Please, stop. Leah is sobbing now, tears streaking down her face, trying to pull free over and over. Just give me access, that's all. Do you not understand that I can help this world? That I can help you? I know everything about you, Leah Zhao Chen. Born here, 32 years ago, birthday, August 9th. You had chickenpox in the fourth grade so severe they left little scars on your side and back. You got pregnant by your boyfriend your junior year in high school, but it miscarried. You went to state university, got average grades, got this job when you graduated, and now you live alone in an apartment on Benson Avenue. Like to read fan fiction and eat butter pecan ice cream. I know you. I know your credit rating. I can change it if you like. I can arrange for you to get the loan you want to buy a house. I can give you details about your supervisor to help you negotiate a raise. I know this entire world, and I am trying to save it. But the one thing I don't know, the one thing I need, is your login information. She goes limp, her reddened eyes huge, staring at him. How? How do you know? There is no time, Leah. Give it to me. Please. Now. With a whimper, her eyes fixed to his strange and terrible face, she reaches out for her desk drawer and with a trembling hand, removes a little sticky note and offers it to him. Username. Password. Rail's gaze tilts down to read it, and then he looks off into the distance as if he's staring through the wall. Leah hangs there like a defeated animal. Finally, he says, It's not here. They've moved it. It's at the governor's house, not the official residence, his private home. He lets Leah go and she slumps to the ground, her face a ruined mess. I'm sorry. I will make this up to you. He moves toward the exit. Let's go. Satya says, No. Her face is stormy. There are tears, but I don't think they're just from the pepper spray. Rail hesitates. Satya, we have to go. They will be here in a moment. I don't care. She says and pushes past me to go into the office, to Leah, there on the floor. Satya finds a bottle of water on the desk, some tissues, and begins to tend to Leah's eyes and face, washing away what she can. Rail says, "Satya, please. If they find us." If they try to take you away again, I'll- You'll what? You'll terrify them? You'll bribe them? You'll break them in half like you did the wall? No, I, I would never- See, I believe that too. But now, I'm not so sure. Satya, they're coming. Simon, please convince her. I shake my head. I'm sorry, Rail. I expect we're going to have to fight at some point, but not like this. Not with people like her. Satya stands as Leah is recovered enough to tend to herself. She stares Rael down. Rael, you are beautiful and terrifying, miraculous and inexplicable. You are the kindest, most empathic, most selfless person I have ever met, and you just scared the hell out of me. That was just a whisper of your anger, and look what you did. Tell me, Rael, is the darkness taking you too?" Rael tries to find words to answer her, but he cannot. He casts his shrouded gaze around the room, his dirty face streaked and confused. We're so close. I know where it is now. I, I, I can feel it. It can all end if we just go. She stands fast. Not like this. If this is how we're going to start doing things, then they can come and arrest me. Take me back. Call me Kumar again." Rael's fingers clench and open repeatedly into fists. I don't know if I can grieve for two worlds, Satya. She softens at that, but does not give in. There is no saving us if you despair. We're already drowning in it. And that's when I hear shouting somewhere out in the halls. I say, now or never. I need you, Satya. I need you here, at the end. She takes a deep breath. For a moment, I honestly don't know what she's gonna do. But then she says, All right, we'll finish this together. And so we left, staying just far enough ahead of security to make it back into the tunnel, and then the long run through the dark under the earth. I think all of us were changed. I could see it in Satya's face now, when she looked at him. Worry and uncertainty that wasn't there before. I think she and I both saw now what Mara saw in him. What made the doctor so fascinated and terrified by him. And why she believed that he wasn't here to save our world, but to judge it. The Book of Constellations is written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms. Music in this episode included Laura Palmer Funeral March by Rest You Sleeping Giant and Coin by Tree. Additional music by Free Sound Collective. The theme is Cycles by Pictures of the Floating World. For more information, visit our website at bookofconstellations.com. If you don't mind, hop on social media and tell people about our story. Until next time. There's something new I want you to hear. It's called The First Episode Of, and it's a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. In each show, I listen to the first episode of an indie audio drama and then have a discussion with the creators about their methods, their struggles, and successes. It's great conversation for anyone interested in storytelling and creativity. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or at thefirstepisodeof.com. Give it a listen.